Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Let's dive in to prayer and then Leviticus 13. That's what we're reading today, Leviticus 13. This is a super long chapter, so we're going to kind of break this down. I'm actually, I'm not going to I'll put everybody to sleep if we read this entire chapter. So we're just going to kind of dive right in and start breaking it down uh, a little bit. And I've got a lot of other scripture we're going to read in support of this and really see what God is talking about and what he's doing uh, here in um, dealing with skin diseases. But uh, let's pray and then let's see what God is talking about today. Lord, Lord, we just come to you this morning uh, in thankfulness for who you are and what you do. Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, breath in our lungs this morning as we wake up and gather together on this platform to uh, hear your word, hear a message from you, Lord. I surrender myself uh, and that this be your word and your teaching, uh, not only to everyone on this call and listening later, but to myself as well. Lord, may um, we as your children learn from you today as we sit at your feet and hear from you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, with that sip of coffee, I'll break out some of this. Um, uh, there's a lot of repetitiveness to a point um, and how it handles different stuff, but we're talking about uh, if you're looking at the NIV or the NLT versions, you're going to see a lot more where it says skin diseases. If you're looking at different translations like New King James and some other, they specifically say leprosy. And um, But in, I want some historical context here is that, number one, leprosy back then was a huge category of really any kind of major or continuous infectious disease uh, of the skin. Um, this could be as if some of us now, if you're any medical trained, um, you may have heard of a, um, a bacterial eating flesh called MRSA. Um, MRSA would be considered leprosy back then. So it was a, as a wide range category versus what we consider now to be a very, very specific disease. Um, somewhat, it's very rare in the United States. Uh, it's more popular in some other different countries. I believe India still has quite a bit of a leprosy issue and they have communities of people that they go live in, in there uh, for treatment. Leprosy is pretty bad with um, our current modern day understanding of leprosy to the point of that if it was on your face, it would actually, your face would actually sink in as it progressively gets worse. Fingers, uh, like limbs of your um your fingertips, your toes, or even full hands or whatever would have to be amputated, um, uh, you know, to help keep the disease at bay or even from, you know, from spreading even worse. Um, it's a really, really nasty, nasty medical uh, condition um, that's out there. All right. But in here, and that's why you'll see certain translations just call it a serious skin disease because it could be encapsulating of many different types of 
what we now have categorized as um, specific types of skin diseases and have specific names, but this was a wide range uh, of all of that. Um, there's another thing is that we look at this and at first we see that um, as you read, first off, this is God saying this. At the very beginning, uh, Leviticus 13, the very first one, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, he's speaking to both of them so they get that this is very serious, that they both understand this, because this can be, this is a very personal thing when they're having to sit there and examine people on a very individual basis. This is not just ceremonially doing uh, anything for the whole community. This is an individual transaction between the priest and whoever is coming to them for an examination. We see that there's a lot of specific criteria that God says for them to look at, to understand, and to really dive deep into to make sure they're making a correct diagnosis. And there's many chances within here. It's not a one and done, and then you're outcast immediately. We see that um, in verse three, the priest will examine the infected area of the skin. If the hair in the affected area has turned white and the, uh, <clears throat> the problem appears to be more than skin deep, it is a serious skin disease. And the priest who examines it must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. So a couple things there in just the beginning, and that kind of really sets a stage for the rest of these different types of examinations and considerations to look at. Number one, we see that, that if the hair has turned white, this equals death, right? Death to the hair follicle, death to that portion of the skin that hair is coming out of, um, uh, if you've ever seen like somebody that has like a specific white spot of hair, not gray, um, don't be picking out my gray hair in my beard or anything, right? It's white, white. I mean, stark white. Um, actually, I had a friend in elementary school. He had a white spot of hair on the side of his head. Um, he said what happened was, uh, I guess, like some kids were throwing rocks or whatever and hit him and basically killed the uh, the follicles there where hair would grow, but it was just straight white. It was just, it, it just, that was it. Um, and so there's a, there's a portion of death in there uh, to all of this. I want us to also, as we're looking and examining through Leviticus 13, understand that um, we got to look at things deeper than just the skin, deeper than just the surface. All right. Jesus even talks about this in, uh, in John. Um, we have to look at things deeper than just the surface so that we can judge correctly. And this goes for so many things in our life that we have to examine and look at stuff deeper than what's at the surface to understand the root of what it is. Whatever the argument is, whatever the problem is, whatever the, you know, the, surface level of whatever's going on isn't truly the problem. We got to get to the root of it. We got to get to the ultimate level in which we can put a, a stop to exactly what's going on. 
And so here we're talking about skin diseases. However, this is talking about so much more. This is talking about so much more in a understanding of how to uh, handle things. Really, it's talking quite a bit a lot about sin in our lives. Now, is specifically saying if you have a skin disease that there's sin in your life, that's not uh, the correlation here of saying that because you have this disease equals you have sin. Uh, has diseases been a um, form of punishment because of sin? Absolutely. Is that always the case? No. All right. So let's not go around and start every time somebody's sick, every time somebody's got a, a rash or something and be like, you're a sinful individual. Guess what? We're all sinners on here. And all of us has fallen short of the glory of God. All right. <clears throat> Thank God for his mercy and his grace. So is there a, a correlation? Absolutely. And it's, excuse me, I'm getting a little um, coughed up. But um, as we see here is that this starts small, just like sin in our life. Sin starts very small. It starts at one area where, quite honestly, it's probably easy to just hide and conceal. Just like a little bit of sin in our life, just like a little bit of this and that, it starts out to where I can manage this. I can hide this. It's okay. I don't need to tell anybody about this. It's just my quote unquote, we call it like little happy names like guilty pleasure or whatever in our lives. This is just my little thing. It's easy to hide. It's easy to conceal. It's easy to act like nothing's going on when we're at church and things of that, like that when we come around with other people. It's okay. It's not a problem. But as it grows, it gets a little bit further where that skin disease, it's not able to be covered up by our clothing anymore. It starts showing on our hands and on our face. It starts showing in different areas that it's, it's not able to be hidden anymore. It grows deeper as we continue to not treat it. As we continue to not handle the problem at the early stages, it continues to grow to the point where we can't handle it anymore. And now we need professional help. We see that. Um, so it just continuously gets bigger when it gets unchecked. And it's just like sin in our life and just like any many uh, types of sin that we see that it continues to grow and be a problem that grows to a point that it's out of hand. It goes to a point where now I don't know how to hide it. My friends are noticing it. My family's calling me out on it. What do I need to do? We see that it's just more evidence. And it's just like how we say here at Fusion Church of, yeah, I don't know what's in your heart, but I can be a fruit inspector. I can see what's going on in your life. I can see how your actions, I can see if you're uh, falling away from coming to church. I can see if you're falling away from not attending your connect group anymore. I can see if you're distancing yourself from specific friends that are Christians and you're hanging out with more people that are not. I can see that you are recluding and staying away from family more and more 
we can see all sorts of different evidences of things in creeping and encroaching deeper in our lives. It's just, it gets out of balance. It gets out of whack in our lives, if you will. And that's kind of how the skin disease grows. And so what they do is that once they realize this, um, going into verse four, but if the infected area of the skin is only a white discoloration, it does not appear to be more than skin deep. And if the hair on the spot has not turned white, the, the priest will quarantine the person for seven days. All right. So, hey, all right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to attack this thing. We're going to separate you from everyone else. We're going to get you out of whatever environment it is um, that this that you contracted this from, because uh, clearly you probably got this by being around something or someone uh, you shouldn't be around. Right. Uh, if we get sick, we were around something that got us sick. If we got sick, we probably ate something we shouldn't have ate. Right. That midnight night. That midnight Taco Bell <laughs> that that really just got us going and it was like, oh, that was not a good idea, right? We need to separate ourselves from whatever got us in trouble. And so seven days, seven being the number of completion, uh, we're going to quarantine. Quick historical fact is that um, as historians and archaeologists, they see that actually uh, the ancient Hebrews we're actually the first civilization to use quarantine as a medical practice. Uh, they were the first ones to use quarantine at all for any kind of medical practice of, um, of controlling diseases and, uh, and issues. So first ones. Um, so they get quarantined for seven days and then they come back. On the seventh day, the priest will make another examination. If he finds the infected area has not changed and the problem has not spread, the priest will, can, will quarantine the person another seven days. Continual grace, continual grace. On the seventh day, the priest will make another examination. If he finds the infected area has faded, has not spread. The priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. It was only a little rash. It was only a little something, and it's okay. We got this under control. We've nipped it in the bud. We've separated you from what was causing this issue, and we see that it's fading and going away, that it's not having that control or that issue on you anymore, and that it was actually something less worse than we thought it was. So this is a protection not only for that individual, but it was also a protection for the others around them. We see the same thing with sin in our lives. That guess what? We Healthy barriers are healthy. Healthy barriers are healthy. And that goes for anybody and everybody. No matter who it's for, we need to understand that putting around healthy boundaries and barriers in our lives with certain types or certain people in our lives, yes, this can include family, that it is healthy for us, that it is also healthy for them. It's healthy for them because they see that we care about the cleanliness of our spirit 
And it's an example to those that don't understand. It's a way of being a testimony that I care about my relationship with the Lord and my spiritual cleanliness, that I can't allow your infectious life to infect me. Do I love you? Yes. Do I care about you? Yes. Do I want to be a testimony and share the gospel with you? Yes. But when you're drunk, I can't have you around me. When you're high, you cannot be in my presence or in my house. When you are doing things and saying things and being a certain way, I have to put a solid boundary in saying, this isn't coming into my home. This isn't coming into my area. I'm not allowing this infectious sin to be sinfully infectious on me. It's okay to put a boundary. It's okay to put barriers. It's a safety net, not only for you, but for them. They need to see how sin is separating themselves, not only from God, but from God's community. How sin not only separates them from God, but from God's community. That is a huge, huge thing for us. And so many of us, we, we, uh, our culture now outside of the church says that blocking people off is mean. Oh, you unfriended me. Oh, you, you know, you did like whatever it is. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, but I have to be the best part of me, the best version of me that God wants me and God's leads me to in a healthy boundary like setting so that I'm following God's path and I'm not being influenced to follow the world's path. That's the whole point of this. In a in a ceremonially and a spiritual understanding of what is being talked about here. Yes, this is to help control and keep people clean and safe medically, but this also has spiritual implications as well. We see that in James uh, 1 verse 15, these desires, talking about sinful thoughts, sinful desires, fleshly desires, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sinful and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. The wages of sin is death. So there's so much more to what's going on than just on the surface. We also see in Proverbs uh, uh, 4.23, and here's the ultimate part where we can't let it get all the way into us. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This is why healthy boundaries are so important. This is why having who is around you the majority of your time is very precious and needs to be understood so that we guard our heart. Understand that the word guard is <clears throat> it's a military term. It's a tactic. It's a, it's a defensive move or mechanism that we use to make sure that something is kept safe kept holy, kept clean, and kept sacred. 
to guard something is not something one person does on its own. If you were to guard the castle, if you were to guard the kingdom, if you were to guard anything precious, holy, it wouldn't just be you. It would be an army. It would be a platoon, a battalion, a a whole regiment. It would be a, a good, solid amount of trained warriors to guard something. So when we're saying to guard our heart, to guard our lives, to put barriers around that which is sinful and keep it out, it's not just ourselves by ourselves. It's with the community. It's with others around us that we call brothers and sisters in Christ. That's so much deeper, so much understanding of what's going on. Guard your heart above all else. That means pull your buddies, pull your friends, pull your sisters and brothers around you and say, help me. This is hurting me. This is trying to come into my heart. This is trying to be a sinful problem in my life. We must get rid of this. We must keep this at bay. I need to be transparent with you so you can help guard me as well. Accountability is the key to guarding our heart. But you can't be accountable if there's nobody to be accountable with. You can't be accountable if there's nobody to be accountable with. You can be, you can be honest with yourself all day, but guess what? I find that a lot of us, we're quick to quit on ourselves. Now, all right, today I'm not going to eat. I'm going to low down on that sugar. I'm going to stay low. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to eat well. I'm going to do whatever. Nope, something bad happens. Give me that Twix bar. Let's go, Nicole. Where's that Twix bar? Let's go. (laughs) You know, forget it. I'm good. Right? No, that's why we need each other around us, not just for the eating habits, but all the other living healthy habits that we need to be accountable with those that we trust around us. You see that when they went to guard the tomb of Jesus, It wasn't just one guy. Now, of course, this is God. So they ultimately failed at that. (laughs) But And there was no stopping that. But for us, when we have brothers and sisters in Christ around us, when we have not only the Holy Spirit that lives in us, but the Holy Spirit that's in all of the other hearts around me, that is an army that never will fail. What fails is when we walk away from it. What fails is when we try to do it on our own. What fails is when we're not accountable to our friends and our accountability partners that we can talk to. What fails is when we try to hide sin and think that we have it under control by ourselves. What fails is that we are on our own and we don't pray to the Lord and we don't come to each other and we're out of community and we're out of fellowship with God. It fails. It just does. Ask Doug. I know he's seen it over and over. We've had stories about it before. Uh, Ask Mike Chambers. Ask anybody that's been following the Lord for a number of years, and they'll tell you story after story of those that are out of community, out of coming to see good godly counsel. Here it is. 
They have to go see the priest. They have to go see their pastor. They have to go see somebody that cares about them, loves them, has the heart of Christ, and wants to talk to them about their problem. And let's get this nipped in the butt now. That's what this is about. And there's so much grace here. There's, all right, seven days, let's go handle this, come back, re-examine. Seven days, come back, re-examine. Oh, man, this is, we are trying to kill this thing with grace and truth over and over and over. They don't want to deem you ceremonially unclean. We see that there's there's one kind of area that looks or sounds at first glance when you read this, that it sounds a little odd, though. We're going to jump into verse 12, um, Leviticus 13, verse 12. Now, suppose the disease has spread all over the person's skin, covering the body from head to foot. When the priest examines the infected person and finds that the disease uh, that covers the entire body, he will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. The skin has turned completely white. The person is clean. That sounds kind of odd. You're like, wait a minute. It's it's covered you from head to toe. It's all over the place. And, but, and your skin is completely white. Okay. Context here is definitely odd, right? Okay, so context here is we got to look at verse 14. But if any open sores appear, the infected person will be pronounced ceremonially unclean. All right, so verse 12 and 13 is talking about your whole body got infected, but there's no open source. It's just white. What white is representing or what white is showing in a physical medical sense is that that's new skin being healed over the problem, that that is healing actually happening to a a grand scheme of um, infectious disease from head to toe. There's no open source. So that means the disease is being healed. It's new, fresh, white skin, right? You ever, like, right when you pick a scab that's, like, pretty much done, it's, like, real white underneath there because that's brand new skin that's, like, super baby skin. Hadn't even gotten pigment in it yet at all. That's what that is. So, they're just saying that here, this person has completely been healed in its brand, brand new skin. But if any open sores appear, We haven't really contained it yet. We haven't really completed the healing process. There's still an infectious here. We need to ceremonially make you unclean. You need to go sit out there another seven days. The priest must make the pronouncement as soon as he sees an open sore, since open sores indicate the presence of a skin disease. An open sore equals basically an open area for more sin to infect you in your life. We talk about it. We talk about it in a little bit nicer terms of like, have you left a door or a window open for the enemy to come into your life? Here is basically, have you left an open sore for the enemy to continue to infect you? And so it just keeps going. Further examinations, though, further checking to make sure, because we want to make sure, we want to see you clean. For another examination, verse 17, 
if the infected areas have indeed turned white, the priest will then pronounce the person ceremonially clean by declaring, you are clean. You are clean. Here's the big deal here. And, and then further on, it gets into burns. And it's like, yeah, you got burned, whether it's on accident or whatever. However, you got burned. Then we want to see they kind of do the same thing. But is there an infection in the burn? And that's in verse 24 uh, going on down. It's kind of a very similar process and making sure that there's not any kind of further disease or infection happens after the burn, um, just like anything else. Um, sores on the head and the chin, it's all very similar. We're checking to make sure that nothing is becoming an infectious disease, a serious skin problem that could spread to others. Now, it does go into talking about bald guys. So, so you're, you're good, Pat, all right? <laughs> all right, hey, there's nothing wrong with bald guys in here, right? It says verse 40. So here's your here's your verse, my my bald friend. If a man loses his hair and his head becomes bald, he is still ceremonially clean. There's your verse for the day, my <laughs> there you go, Papa Hernandez. <laughs> it's just for you. <laughs> um, and if he loses his hair on his forehead, he he simply has a bald forehead and he is still clean. So he's good to go for all you guys with hair on the sides and your bald forehead. So, but however, this is where it's like, is a bald spot being, um, is it happening because you have an infectious disease, then that's a different problem. And then that's where it goes on further and further. Uh, same kind of thing. Is there a white sore? Is it going to continue to spread uh, and et cetera? Here's the big deal. This was in the Old Testament. This was done by the priests that not only were, would do ceremonies to cleanse you of your sin ceremonially, but they would also act as, you know, medical practitioners, if you will, for the community under strict guidance of what the Lord has given them for criteria to evaluate. This wasn't just blindly, um, willy-nilly, like whatever they felt and whatever they're like, oh, you know, um, let me look up Wikipedia, you know, or something, or um, uh, WebMD or something. This was God giving them specific instructions on how to do this. But the priest could only say if something was clean or unclean and then separate them. That's all they could do. But Jesus our high priest, our true high priest, not only is the author and the dictator of what is technically clean and unclean, but he is our healer and he is our redeemer. That's the big and grand news is that whatever is going on in your life, whatever sin is infecting you, whether whether it's a physical um issue of a skin disease or a medical problem or or whatever it's going on uh, or it is a sin issue that's trying to root itself in your heart and harden your heart against the lord god is our healer god is our redeemer of both physical spiritual and mental he paid the ultimate price and he still works miracles today I've seen it firsthand. 
And we have so many scriptures about Jesus healing people. And just to go in Matthew alone, verse uh, chapter 8, verse 3, chapter 8, verse 16, chapter 12, verse 15, uh, chapter 14, verse 14, chapter 14, verse 36, chapter 13, verse 30, and chapter 21, verse 14 in Matthew alone, talking about Jesus healing individuals, lepers, and or just hordes of people and healing all of the sick that would come to them. The number was too great for them to count of how many times Jesus healed people. And the number still too great for how many times Jesus is still healing people. I'm going to turn to chapter 8 in Matthew. And we'll read this one. And this is dealing with a, a man of leprosy. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, the Lord said. He said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let them examine you. Pointing back to the law of Moses, following still his word, because he's the author of both the Old and the New Testament. Amen. Take along the, off the offering required by the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. God is still our healer. So whatever sin has been, you've been trying to hide, whatever problems you've been trying to think you can masquerade around and, and just put a covering over it and, and nobody will know, God is still there to heal that. God is able to take that away to where we don't need to wear masks, we don't need to wear coverings, we don't need to keep putting band-aids on. God's here as our healer. Physical, mental, and spiritual. Jesus loves you. I was talking with the youth this past Monday. And I felt like in some of the verses and things we were talking about, I just, I looked at some of their faces and I just said, you need to understand that no matter what anybody has ever talked about, you about they're not your maker they're not your maker and maybe somebody said something to you that has made you believe and have some kind of infectious mental disease of you thinking that you were an accident or you weren't meant to be here or you you were just whatever or you're not good enough and you're not whatever and just like pastor jose was talking about uh, about what we call ourselves and what we keep focusing on and these negative thoughts and and images and and things of memory of people calling us and saying speaking death over us but guess what they're not your maker they're not the one that made you. God made you. And you're not an accident. You're not something that uh, would just happen over happenstance. If somebody said that over you or if uh, whatever it is, God intentionally knit you together to create you. 
guess what? Yeah. Hey, ladies, I love you all to death, but I ain't seen none of you ever take a human knitting class. Ain't none of you ever knitted a person together. You were the chosen vessel that the Lord used. Amen to that. You, I give you all props for doing and being the vessel, but you did not knit the muscle fiber of those children. We were not knit by our own mother. God did that. God knit your muscle fiber. God put every hair on your head. God put and created your intricate eyeballs to be able to do and function the way it does. God knit you together purposely and for a reason and for his purposes. I want you to know that that is you. Don't let somebody that didn't create you try to create your destiny. Your creator created you and a purpose for you. So if you're going to take any words, if you're going to take any understanding of who you are, why don't we go back to who created us? Because that's what the enemy wants us to do. Is to believe lies, believe all these infectious diseases, believe all of these infectious issues and problems and sin. To let that creep into our lives, into our minds. And for it to grow further and further to where we forget what God has done for us. May we never forget who our real healer is. May we never forget who our real redeemer is. May we never forget the price that Christ paid to wash away our sins, to wash away our problems, to come closer and be clean. So that we can come to our Father. So we can hear life. And hear his purpose. And his love for us. Spoken over us. Which is the truth. Let us pray. And let us have a great day in the Lord. Lord, we just love you so much. We just thank you for your word. I'm just reminded so much, Lord, of. May we not listen to things that are ever told and said over us. May we, may we not allow things to fester and grow and, uh, and grow further than skin deep. And may we just come to you. May we come to your feet. May we come and say, Lord, if you are willing, will you heal us? Because we know your heart and we know your, we know your heart, Lord. We know you are able. So are you willing today, Lord? We come to you asking for healing. We come to you asking for your love. We come to you asking for what is our path as your children. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. Have a great Thursday. We can't wait to see you at Friends and Family. And to all of our veterans out there, we have Veteran Smile on Saturday. 
where it is free dental care for our veterans uh, as they uh, greatly deserve that once a year. It's going to be a great event. So, um, and it's uh, we're going to be ministering to guys out there and it's going to be a fun time. So big weekend. See you all then. God bless. Take care and uh, brush your teeth with all that candy that is coming up. So take care. Bye. <laughs>